Good morning to everyone. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Delighted to have you be a part of this worship service and the overflow this morning. We have Stephen Sawyer and Andrew Causey back in the back this morning. He's not at the hospital delivering twins, not there. He's in the overflow with Stephen Sawyer. God bless you guys. Thank all of you for worshiping with us. Pastor Eric, uh, Franklin Campus, we love you so much. Pastor Brian, Imperial, Oklahoma, we love you guys. All of you joining us now. Uh, open your Bibles to... 1 Corinthians 13, last time, last time for a while, we're going to wrap up this message series entitled, All You Need Is Love. We've been looking at the love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. I trust you've learned some things. I, I know I have. 1 Corinthians 13 is a very, very familiar passage, but sometimes the most familiar passages are the ones that we pay uh, less attention to. We don't always listen because we think we've already heard it before. But I hope you're learning that there is much in this chapter we probably haven't heard before. Uh, just sharing from a heart as your pastor, I would say one of the most distressing things about being a pastor is dealing with church people day in and day out who think that they don't have to live by this chapter. Uh, church people who think that they don't have to forgive when they get hurt. Church people who think they don't have to be patient with one another and think that they don't have to be kind with, with one another. Uh, honestly, my job would be so much easier as pastor. And I'm not asking you to make my job easier. I'm just saying uh, if, if more and more of us would learn to live as Christ would have us to live and to love as Christ would have us to love, then we would know so much more of, of what Christ wants us to be. 1 Corinthians 13, I've been defining love in a very peculiar way. Love is not a feeling. Surely you know that. In 1 Corinthians 13, there's not a single feeling word here. It doesn't say a word about how you're going to feel about people. It says everything about how you're going to treat people. It's all about how you treat people. That's what love is. Love is treating people. We said that love is actually power. It's obligation. It's command. The Bible says that we should love. We should be patient. We should forgive. But not just is it a command. Love is power. It is the power that moves us in everyday relationships to give without expecting something back. Love is the power in every relationship every day to give and not to expect anything back. There was a, a boy going into middle school. Uh, he was a special needs kid. Mom and dad loved him very, very much. It, it came around time for Valentine's Day, and the boy was at Kroger, and he saw the, the big row of Valentine cards like you always give at, 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 at a, an elementary school on the Valentine's Day party. And the boy said, Dad, I want to give Valentine's to the kids at school. I need to get some Valentine's. And the dad's thinking, I'm pretty sure they don't do that in middle school. Pretty sure that kids in 7th and 8th grade aren't exchanging Valentine's. But the boy said, Daddy, I've got to do it. I've got to give Valentine's. So, so the dad let the boy get a box of Valentine's knowing that it wasn't going to be what he expected from elementary school. In elementary school, everybody gets everybody valentines and i'm sure the teachers still take a lot of care to make sure that every kid gets uh, every valentine you know how that is but now the dad is thinking my son is going to go in there with a card and, and give them to all his classmates and he's not going to get a single one back i mean nobody's going to give him cards back and he was really worried about how his son would feel giving those cards and Nobody else giving cards, but, but the boy couldn't be stopped. He got those Valentines at Kroger, and he filled them out, and he, he took them into school on Valentine's Day with a great big smile, and the dad was thinking, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. Dad picks him up from school that afternoon. The boy comes running out of, out, of, out of school. He comes and gets in the car, and dad says, well, what about the cards? How did that go? And the boy said, Dad, you won't believe it. Not a single one. Not a single one. And the dad thought, oh, this is what I was preparing for. But the boy kept saying, Dad, not a single one. I gave everybody in my class a card, and I didn't forget a single one. 
Do you get that? Do you understand how love operates? It, it, it gives and it doesn't expect anything back. When you can learn to live like that, you will have found uh, the biggest part of what it means to be a Christian. Lots of ways to serve God, lots of things important, but nothing is more important than love. You're thinking, well, I would just really, really like Brother Tim to find somebody who'd love me like that. I'd love to find somebody who's going to give to me. You're missing the point. You understand you're always missing the point here. The secret is not to go out and find somebody who's going to love you like that. You understand the secret is going out and finding someone that you can love like that. 1 Corinthians 13, let's read the whole chapter. I'm going to focus this morning, especially on verse 7, so pay attention to what the Word of God says there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Please listen. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be, say the word, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Wow. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained, say the word, nothing. Nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable and love keeps no record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in tongues and unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, say the word, love. Greatest is love. Take your seats. Take a moment and uh, think about your dad. Think about your dad for a moment with me. Think about your things, the dad, things that your dad used to say. My dad said strange things. My dad said things I said, I tell you, when I have kids, I will never say those things. Did you have that kind of dad? My dad, my dad had a goal in his life, apparently. It was to raise kids without ever having to spend any money. That's Don Harris. He just doesn't really ever want to spend money. So I can remember being like we'd be in the store and we'd be picking up things. And I would say, Daddy, can I have a Dr. Pepper? You know, I'm a kid. I'm a country kid. We never get to town. And honestly, we never had any kind of soft drinks in our house. I'd say, Daddy, can I have a Dr. Pepper? And my dad would say, Dr. Pepper, why would I get you a Dr. Pepper? You just drink it. <laughs> now, you think that's funny. My dad wasn't being funny. He would say that. You're, you, you just drink it. 
I'd say, Daddy, can I have a bag of Doritos? A bag of Doritos? You just eat them. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Except you got to know my dad. Now, he knew me, and he, honestly, a very, very good dad. My dad knew that if I got a Dr. Pepper, I would, I would drink it till it was gone. I would drink it till my belly was just round and full of Dr. Pepper. You understand? If I got a bag of Doritos, I would eat them till I puked. My dad knew that about me. Now, my dad is a different kind of man. He grew up in a different day and age. Dad grew up in a day where you didn't have a lot of things, so therefore what you had, you made it last. So I guarantee you, if my dad had a, my, my dad had a Dr. Pepper, he could make it last six or seven years. He could make it last. My dad used to chew dentine chewing gum. I hated dentine because those sticks were so small. Do you remember? Dentine were just tiny sticks. I wanted double bubble yum with gigantic wad of gum in my mouth that would choke you. That was my style. My dad would take half a piece of dentine and then chew it for years. He could, I promise you, open my dad's mouth today, there's probably half a stick of dentine left over for when Reagan was president. My dad makes things last. So that's why dad would say, a Dr. Pepper, you just drink it. A bag of Doritos, you just eat them. And I would think to myself, I will never say that to my son. I'll never say anything like that. So, of course, if my son says, Daddy, can I have an iPhone? What'd I say? You just talk on it. You just text on it. Yeah, it's amazing how it comes back around. You find yourself saying, doing the same kinds of things your dad said and did. Things dad say. What else did your dad say? Dad say things like, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Anybody's dad ever say that? Was that true? Probably in ways you never understood that was true. This will hurt me more than it hurts you. Other things dad say. Anybody have one of those pull my finger dads? Anybody? Anybody have a pull my finger dad right now? Yeah, yeah, I, I, know, I know this church. We're a whole lot of pull my finger people in, in this place. Be really careful during fellowship time uh, with our guys. Yeah, pull my finger dads. Dads say all kinds of things. Dads say, what do I look like I made of money? Do I look like I made of money? That, that, that sort of thing. But then there's probably the, the all-time favorite things that dads say, and it goes like this. As long as you're living under my roof. Yeah, as long as you're living under my roof, and then what comes next? It, it can vary, but usually something like, as long as you're under my roof, you'll live by my rules. Yeah, turns out we all got the same dad. Yeah. As long as you're living under my roof, you'll live by my rules or something like that. Yeah, I want to stop. And I want us to think about that phrase, as long as you're living under my roof. I, I want to bring that up because verse 7 actually says something very, very amazing in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, you won't find the word roof in the English translation. But one of the things hopefully you're learning about 1 Corinthians 13 is that these words are carefully chosen. Paul chose his words carefully. And these words are, are beautiful poetic words. And, and many of the words that Paul uses in his Greek language don't translate very well into English. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 7 is one of those verses where some of these words don't translate well. And the first one is in the very first phrase. New Living Translation says love never gives up. Uh, that's okay. It, it's pretty close. Your translation probably says one of two things. It might say love always endures, or it might say love always protects. 
Love always endures. Love always protects. Love never gives up. Honestly, all of these ways of, of, of translating what Paul says are accurate. They're all accurate. There's not a really good way to say in English what Paul says here. He is saying that love always protects. He is saying that love somehow always endures. But the word he uses there is a word that we have no English word for. The word is a Greek word, stego. Stego. And it literally means to put a roof over. Paul says that love builds a roof over. Really interesting. The idea is that when you put a roof over something, it's going to last, it's going to endure because it's protected. You understand? Putting a roof over, it brings to mind all of those ways we try to translate it. It has to do with protection, to put a roof over, to protect from the elements. It has to do with lasting and enduring because something that's under a roof is going to last longer because it's protected. Do you see? His word there brings all of these ideas, all of these elements to mind. But what he says is love builds a roof over. Love always builds a roof over. Now, I started out talking about men, and I want to talk a little bit more, especially to men uh, in this message. But I want to make one thing perfectly clear. When Scripture talks about love, it is not that some of these qualities are feminine and some of these qualities are masculine. I'm not now going to say that only men love in such a way where they put a roof over it. That would not be biblically accurate. The scripture, the words used here apply to every single one of us, men, women, boys, and girls. Do you understand? It's not that there is a particularly masculine way to follow Christ. I'm telling you, Christ is an example for men and for women. We're all trying to be like Christ. And we all want to love in such a way where our love shelters and puts a roof over others. So is that clear? I'm not just talking to men. I'm not saying that women don't also love in this way. But I do want to say that I believe that this way of thinking about love, this idea of putting a roof over is something that a lot of us can connect to as men. And I also think that the men in our lives who've loved us well, this is probably a really good way of describing what they have done for us. Because of their love for us, because of the way they provided for us, because of the way, honestly, we felt so safe in their presence and by their strength, we would say that, that truly, often a man's love has a way of, of putting a roof over us. Being loved by a godly man is a lot like somehow having a roof put over your head. So, man, I want you to ask yourself a really important question this morning. You who love to talk about that roof you've put over their heads, stop and think for a moment. What's it really like to live under your roof? Those who are under your roof, how are they doing? When it comes to men and love, there's some difficulties. For a lot of us, there are difficulties. We can read in Scripture everything that love is supposed to do and the way that love is supposed to treat others. But as men, lots of times, we look in our hearts, and that's not what we find. And it's difficult. I'm not about to pile up on men. I'm not about to criticize you guys. I understand from the inside out what it is to be a man. I understand how most of us desperately want to be a man like Christ. 
We really do want to be a, a man who is protective and a man who loves well and, and, a, and a man who is able to impart something lasting and strong in, in the lives of those around him. I, I know what that is, but I also know how hard it is. A lot of us really look inside and we don't find that. When the Bible says that love always protects, that love puts a roof over, honestly, that's what we want to do. It's what we want to be. We want to have that kind of strong, solid, stable, protective love. But when we look inside our hearts, that's not what we find. Most men look inside their hearts, and instead of finding that kind of strong, protective love, what they find is fear. What a lot of men find is, is lust. What a lot of men find is, is anger. And we really struggle. We really struggle. And because we struggle so much with what's in or not in our own hearts, we have a difficult time loving in, in the way that Scripture says we ought to love. John Eldred tells a story about taking his boys one day rock climbing. I've never done that. I've fallen off things before, but I've never climbed a, a rock cliff on, on purpose. John took his boys out rock climbing. Had a little boy named Sam, and it was Sam's turn to, to go up the face of, of the mountain. John knew what he was doing. He had helmets. He had all of the equipment, and he was there to make sure his boys had a lot of fun, did something hard, and, and were safe while they were doing it. So John, the dad, was down on belay with the rope on the bottom, and Sam started climbing up, and he was actually doing pretty awesome. But he got to this particular place. He's a little boy. He got to this particular place where the rock began to come out to an overhang. And honestly, I can't imagine how you do that. I don't know how you would climb when the rock begins to go out over your head. But, but little Sam was at a place where that's where he needed to go. He had to climb not just up but also out and, 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 and somehow manage this overhang. When he got to that point, Sam did everything he could. He was just a little boy and not a lot of upper body strength, but he just began to struggle to, to find a hold, and he just began to struggle and, and stretch, and, and he just couldn't do it. And he just went limp in his harness and began to cry, just began to cry. Now, John's a good dad, and John said, Sam, just, just, just forget about it. Come on back down. Come down. Let's find a rock that you can climb, and you can have fun doing it. Let's just find another one. And Sam said, no, Dad, I want to do this. I really want to do this. So John said, oh, okay, son. Okay, Sam, then, then get back up in your harness. Okay, now look, there's a hold up on the right. Now reach up. Put your hand right there. Yeah, good, great. Okay, pull, pull. Good job, good job. And from the ground, John just began to coach his son. Great job. Way to go. Nice move. Good. Okay, stretch to the left. You see it on the left? Good. Grab it. Good. Nice job, good move. And he just began to continue to speak to his son like that. Way to go, son, way to go. And then at one point he said, way to go, Sam. Sam, you're a wild man. That's what he said. You're a wild man, Sam. Now keep going, Sam. Good, good. And Sam made it to the top. Just a great moment. Sam made it to the top. He came back down. It was his brother's turn. And his brother was in the harness then. And John was at the bottom now coaching his other son. But the thing is, Sam came up beside his dad there. After that great rock climb, he came up beside his dad and he stood there for maybe 15 minutes and didn't say a word. And then he, he reached up and tugged his dad's, dad's arm and said, Dad, did you really think I was a wild man up there? Was I really a wild man up there? What was Sam asking? What was he asking for? 
He really wanted something from the man in his life. He really wanted something from dad. He just needed to know that dad was in his corner, that his dad believed in him. He just needed to know that there was a roof being built over his head. You understand what I'm saying? Do you possibly understand what I'm saying? He just needed to know that, that there was somebody putting a roof over his head. You need to understand that all of us as boys, and it's probably very true for girls as well, but I think in a special way for boys, we grow up needing this from dad. We grow up looking for this. In the Old Testament in Scripture, you see often that the places where the boys come before the father for the blessing. And in our culture, we don't bless in that way, but I promise you still, all of our sons still look to us as fathers for blessing. We want to be blessed by, by a man. We want to be blessed by the number one and first man in our lives. We need that. We want to be Blessed. We want someone to, to believe in us and, and to build a, a shelter of confidence and, and, and a roof of faith, hope, and love over us. But understand, for a lot of boys, that just doesn't happen. For a lot of men, they never get that from their fathers. And I'm telling you, when a boy grows up and never gets that, it's like having a chair pulled out from under you. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like having everything cut out from around you. And suddenly you go into life realizing that, that there is just nobody who believes in me. It's that feeling of going in, into life, but going into life with this wound. It's just this open wound. And it's very, very difficult to have that healed. Unfortunately, a lot of men, we go into relationships and we're always trying to heal that wound, trying to find what we never got from our fathers, what we never got sometimes from anybody else. And unfortunately, we start expecting our wives or the women in our lives to somehow fix us. We look to women to try to fill up what's missing, to get that blessing that we never got. And I'm telling you, a woman can't give that to you. A woman can never provide for you. A woman can't fill you up. We look to our jobs, we try to prove ourselves in our jobs, and I'm telling you, your job will never do it for you. You can succeed, you can be number one in sales, you can be number one in production, you can bring in the most beautiful wheat crop every single fall. I'm telling you, you can win and win and still feel like a loser because your job can't make up for what's empty inside of you, sir. Your job will never do it. And then we have children, and sometimes we repeat the very mistakes that our own fathers made, and we never manage to give anything to our children. We just try to live through them. So we pour our kids into sports. We pour our kids into academics. We want them to succeed in all the ways we never succeeded. But I'm telling you, their success will never fill up what's empty inside of you. The only thing that can fill up what's empty inside of you, sir, is the love of God. I, I don't know who messed you up like this. I don't know who it is that wounded you so. I don't know if it was your dad or, or an uncle or somebody else, but, but, but I'm telling you, you keep expecting everybody else in the world somehow to, to, to prove you a man. You keep expecting everybody else in the world somehow to, to fix what's broken in you. And I'm telling you, only your heavenly father now can bring that wholeness and that fullness that you need. 
And until you're able to find that full heart, sir, you've got to understand, you keep going from relationship to relationship and you're empty. And this is why you struggle in loving people because you don't have that ability to give and not expect something back. You need something back so desperately and you've needed it for so long that you just go into every relationship so needy. Now you're proud, you don't expect or, or, or admit that you need anything, but you're needy and you're empty and you just continue to wish that your sons or your daughters or your wife or somebody would give it back to you. And I'm telling you, you can't love as long as you're expecting something back and especially something so deep. You've got to let God himself, your heavenly father, fill you up. You're going to have to let God speak the words into your heart that you never heard from your own father. You've got to let God replace what's missing inside of you. And then you will have it in your heart to go out and put a roof over other people's heads. You understand? Then you'll have it in you to go and love like that. This is what I'm trying to say. Love is not just command. It's not just duty. It's not just obligation. Now, it is obligation. You've got to learn to love like this. You've got to love like this in order to live like Christ. You've got to do this, but it's not just duty. It's not just obligation. Love is power. It's power. And what we're talking about is you're letting God put inside your heart not just what we would call the love, but also the power to love like this. That means because of loving and being loved by you, the people in your life have a roof put over their heads. Now, I'm not talking about a roof of shingles and, 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 and drywall. I'm not talking about that kind of roof. I suppose that's pretty good. And most of us as men, we love to be providers, and we feel like if we put a roof over their heads, we've done our part. I'm telling you, if the only roof you put over their heads is shingles, you haven't even started to do your part. It's just what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It says there are a whole lot of things in the world that matter a lot. They matter a great deal. The problem is they don't last long. The scripture goes on to say that honestly, there are only three things in the whole world that last forever. And these are faith, hope, and love. So if you want to build a roof over the lives of people around you, men, women, everybody, listen to me. You must build a roof of faith, hope, and love. That is what you want to put over the heads of those in your life. That is the kind of love you're supposed to share. Verse 7, as I said, is hard to translate. But honestly, in the old King James, it probably says it best because Paul stacks up several phrases here that are identical. He says that love always protects or always endures. Love puts a roof over. Love always protects. Love always believes. Love always hopes. Love never fails. That's what verse 7 says. So see, even right there, Paul begins to show you where he's going because that idea of love always believes. We're talking about faith right there. Love always hopes. He's talking about hope. And he's going to wind up saying there are three things that last forever. So already Paul's beginning to lead you there. Faith, hope, and love. This is what he wants you to carry away. Love puts a roof over. It's a roof of faith, hope, and love. You understand? So let's go on. Follow me through the rest of that verse so you see what else we need to understand and say. Paul says that love always believes. Love always believes. Now, part of that sounds beautiful, and part of that sounds a little bit silly. Love believes everything. Do you have kids? 
Can you believe everything they say? My goodness, love always believes. We're talking about faith being one of the most important things. And honestly, that does involve faith in God, that ability to connect and to know God. That's what we mean by faith. But in this chapter, Paul's also talking about that believing, that faith that we also put in other people. And he's saying that love always does that. Love puts faith in people. Love believes in people. It always does that. Always does that? Do you know very many people? Are there a whole lot of people in the world that you can put your faith in? Well, maybe you should learn to. Love always believes. The people in your life that you want to show love. you understand how important it is to believe in these people? Are you raising kids? Do you know how much they need to know that you believe in them every single day? Of course you know how they mess up. You know better than anybody. You could go through the whole list since day one, since they were in first grade, how many times they have messed up. But you understand, that kid still needs a mom who believes in her. Got to have somebody in your life who believes in you. And Paul's saying, this is what love does. It just continues to believe in people. I love Woodburn Baptist Church so much, and I will simply say this. I love this church because for all of these years, you've believed in me, and you still believe in me. Now, the joke's on you, because I don't know if I'm worth all that much, but I know y'all believe in me. I don't know why you started, but at some point when I was a teenager, this church started believing in me and encouraging me. And believing that I could be a pastor before I even thought I wanted to be a pastor. And, and believing in me every Sunday when I step up. It's just this feeling that you all believe in me. And I can't tell you what that has done in my life. I can't tell you what it's like every single Sunday to step before a congregation that I know believes in me. Now you know I'm a doofus. And you know I mess up. But somehow every time I mess up you continue to put your faith back in me and in my ministry do you understand the impact that has on a man? Franklin Campus, right now, you've got what is still a brand new pastor. Pastor Eric is still learning and still growing. And you want to make that man an awesome man of God, you believe in him. You just believe in him. I hope you also know I believe in you guys. I believe in you. Believed in you. Years and years and years ago when I first walked through the doors and found this to be a church that loves and welcomes everybody, man, I, I believed in you then. And when we were 70 people and I used to say to Chip Willingham, you think we'll ever get 100 people in Sunday school? I still wanted to believe in Woodburn Baptist Church. You understand the incredible power of believing in people. That's what love does. And honestly, people in your life, they need for you to believe in them. Your husband, ma'am, he really, really needs to know that you believe in him. Do you want to destroy a man very, very quickly? Do you want to just kill his soul first thing in the morning? Then I just tell you, all you got to do is just start running him down. You criticize him. You point out his faults. You remind him how often he disappoints you. You just continue, ma'am, to run him down. You just continue to speak hate and continue to speak criticism into his heart. You would destroy him because I'm telling you, a man needs to know that the only woman in his life believes in him. We all need that. 
Love is power. Do you understand? It's power. It has everything to do with how you treat people. And when you begin to believe in people and you treat them like you believe in them, I'm telling you, there is incredible power in that. You change people's lives forever by having faith in them. Love always does that. And the scripture goes on to say that love always hopes. It, it always hopes. I'm telling you, every single troubled marriage that I have ever seen, every single couple that I've ever talked to who is beginning to, to talk about quitting, I'm telling you, this is what they've lost. It's either faith, hope, or love, and it's usually hope. Lots of times a couple on the verge of the divorce will tell me, well, I, I think I still love her. I probably still love him. I think we still love each other, but I just don't understand how we can go on. Do you understand? It's not that love is gone. It's probably not even that faith is gone because most of the time they still pray. They still believe in God. It's hope that is lost. It's hope. And don't forget, there are three great things, and hope is one of those things. You just can't afford to lose hope because love always hopes. Now, hope is an amazing and crazy sort of thing. Hope is that ability to stand in the middle of today, and today may stink. Today may be one of the worst days of your life. Today, you find no reason to believe that tomorrow could be one bit better. And that's why couples want to quit, because they can't imagine going on. They can't imagine one more day like today and one more day like yesterday. They can't imagine more of the same, more of the past, because the past is miserable. The present is miserable. Do you understand? And they don't want to continue one more day like that. And that's where hope kicks in. Hope is that ability to stand in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the disaster, and still say, I believe tomorrow could be better. I still believe one way or another that we can make a future together. Do you understand? Hope always believes in the future. Forget the past. Nobody wants to go back to the past. But is there a future? See, that's the question. You get all caught up in the past. You want to continue to go over all the things of the past. I'm giving you permission to just stop that. Stop that. Has nothing to do with the past. It is what it is. It will lay where it lays. The question for you, the question for your marriage is about the future. We know what the past was, but what will the future be like? The Bible says love always hopes. Your heart may break today, but will you believe for the sake of Christ, in the name of love, will you believe that tomorrow can be better? In Christ, there's always the promise that tomorrow gets better. Do you understand? It's called hope. Love always hopes. Of all things, Paul says that love, it, it shelters people. When people have the love of God in them and that power begins to flow through their lives, then then there's this amazing effect around them that the people around them begin to, to do well because they're protected but by love. They're, they're sheltered. There is this roof over their heads. But, but it's an amazing kind of shelter. It, it's not physical. It, it's not about the house you live in. It, it's a spiritual house that love builds. And, and the roof that it places over our heads is a roof of, of faith and a roof of hope, and a roof of love. Everything else in the whole world, Paul says, it, it, it wears out. Everything has a shelf life, Paul says. 
It's like growing up. When I was a kid, I really enjoyed Legos, and I really enjoyed Gilligan's Island, and I really, really enjoyed eating Doritos until I would throw up. When I was a kid, I did certain things, and I enjoyed certain things, but, but now that I'm a man, I really don't have a need for those things anymore. I've outgrown them. And Paul says, everything in this world, everything you see, everything you know, it has a shelf life like that. You're going to outgrow it. It's going to somehow lose its potency. It's going to use its, its usefulness. Everything is like that, Paul says, except three things. Everything is like that except three things. And those three things are faith, hope, and love. These are the three things that never wear out. They never get old. They never, ever pass away. In eternity, there will be three things that you knew on earth that you will still experience in heaven. And only three things. And those three things are faith, hope, and love. And Paul says, of those three things that last forever, the greatest of these is love. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that every single one of us in this house would stop looking for somebody to love us. I pray that every single one of us in this house, everyone within the sound of my voice, Lord, would stop looking for other people to do for them and to give to them. Stop looking for other people to forgive them and be kind to them and patient with them. Stop looking for somebody to put a roof over their heads, Lord. I pray that we would hear this word, Lord, from you and that we would want to go out and put the roof over others' heads. That we would want to be the ones to go out and love and to give. Whether or not we ever get anything back, Lord, that's not the point. Love gives. It just gives. It never looks for return. Jesus, we are selfish people. We are self-centered people. It is because we are sinners. But Lord, we know that you gave your son on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice out of love for the simple, simple salvation of our souls, for the simple fact that it was the only way that our sins could be forgiven, that somehow our empty hearts could be filled with your love. So, God, I pray that you would fill our empty hearts with your love. I, I pray that this church would be an extraordinary kind of church, not for any other reason other than that we have an extraordinary power to love each other and to love the world. Lord, truly, there's nothing else that matters as much for us other than we learn to love as you would have us to love. God, I pray for empty hearts in this place. I pray for men, Lord, who want to love and wish they could love, but they fail at it every single time they walk in the door. I pray, Lord, that you'll begin to fill the hearts of men and make them strong and able, Lord, to put a genuine roof of faith, hope, and love over the heads of their children, their wives, their family. Lord, I pray for all of us in this house that we would all know the joy of dwelling under a roof of faith, hope, and love that comes from you our great Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.